0: and welcome to Bread. We're a newish, spirit-filled, non-denominational church and we hope to be meeting in a new building somewhere in the Los Feliz area very soon in 2021. We are in a new phase of lockdown life. The first Sunday of each month will be a live Zoom service at 10.30am. Do join us for those. We found it to be pretty soul-restoring to get together in a way that feels real, virtual as they may be. The other three services of the month are pared down, consisting of just a talk and a song of worship. We plan to provide you with more online worship and teaching resources and to pour our energies into more personal connections. We're praying for you and we're here.
1: Enjoy this week's podcast. Hey everyone, happy Sunday. My name is Raul and I work for Bread and I am so glad that you can join us. It is great to have you tuning in from wherever it is that you may be. It is now spring in Los Angeles and the hills will be green for the next three weeks. The temperature will be 75 and perfect and the sun will go down much later. Not to mention, things are starting to open up and today is Palm Sunday. We are one week away from Easter and if you've got no idea what you're gonna do for Easter, if you've got no plans, don't worry, we've got you. We'll be having our first in-person gathering since last March. We are putting on an outdoor Easter service at the amphitheater of uh, Silver Lake Community Church, and we will have limited seating, but you can RSVP for that online. We'll be physically distant, taking temperature checks, we'll have hand sanitizer stations, and for everyone, masks will be required. But we'll be singing worship, remember that. We'll have a live teaching with some mediocre jokes spread throughout, remember that. And all of this will be followed by a picnic at the park. So if you can't make it to the service, please come out to the picnic. We'd love to see you. More details on this will be rolled out on our website. So please be looking out for that in our emails and social media. Over the last several weeks, we've been looking at the antidotes to bad things. Uh, We've looked at greed, individuality, self-serving power, racism, hate, and we've framed this to answer the question, what is the church for? We've seen that throughout this study, all of these meet their end when the church is being true to itself. And the final bad thing we'll be looking at today is division. Divisions are not necessarily bad things. There are essential divisions that keep us alive, like the division between space and the atmosphere, or the division between land and sea. There are also more practical divisions, like you know the one at Trader Joe's, between the line with 14 items or less and the others. Another important one is the division between the worlds of Star Trek and Star Wars. We all know the latter is superior. Divisions are not bad, however, they become bad when what is meant to be unified is divided. And there are two divides that I want to bring to our attention. These divides are not intentional, they were not formed into the created order, they were not part of God's design. These two divisions are not supposed to exist, but the brokenness of our world makes it a part of our reality. It's something we've all experienced. We've all been touched by these divisions in subtle and obvious ways. I call these the great divides. The first great divide is the one between God and humans. Put simply, it's the divide between heaven and earth. Now, heaven is not a physical place. It is where God's kingdom reigns, where his will is done. And before the fall, heaven and earth were one. Both under God's rule as one. So heaven and earth are not meant to be divided. And there's a sense of this truth portrayed in our imaginations. We're captivated by fairy tales and science fiction. Um, We dream of worlds colliding. And this is illustrated in the world of Harry Potter. If you've seen Harry Potter, you're familiar with the rules of magic. The wizard world is divided from the real world. However, the magic of the wizard world cannot be contained and it spills over into the real world. In these movies, again and again, we see these two worlds colliding. And in the book of Acts, we see heaven and earth colliding. The great divides are crossed as heavenly power cannot be contained. God won't be contained, God cannot be contained apart from his creation. And so the first divide, the bridging of the first divide then affects the second divide. The second divide um, is the one between humans. And as the power of heaven permeates the world of acts, social divides are crossed. Ethnic divisions are destroyed and people of all races experience the transformative love of Jesus divides on the basis of race or social status gender or political affiliation and more are all destroyed as a result of heavenly power spilling over or as we call it the outpouring of God's spirit and This isn't just for the community in acts. This is for us today God's spirit is still crossing divides to bring people into his family. God intended for the church to be the place where divides hold no power, where exclusivity is destroyed. You and I are meant to be two world people, people made for heaven and for earth. So God isn't just undoing divides. He is also creating and renewing the world. He is renewing us for heavenly living. And so the question I want to ask is, how do we live heavenly lives on earth? How do we live as people not marked by these great divides? For this, we look to Acts 10. It is a picture of heaven touching earth, the reversal of great divides and the creation of something new. Acts 10 is a bit long, so I'll sum it up for time's sake. But it begins with a man named Cornelius. He is a Gentile, meaning he is not ethnically Jewish. And the story of the Bible begins with the Jewish community, beginning with Abraham, whose descendants then become the people of Israel, thus forming the Jewish community. And it was through this group of people that God would redeem the world. But over time, because of sin, the vision for this became blurred and God's people lost sight of it. It and, And in doing so, they created deep divides and maintained a sense of superiority. So then Gentiles were considered outsiders, socially repulsive, and in this time, those who, were served, those who served Rome were considered to be the worst of the worst. However, God visits Cornelius, and he gets a vision from an angel to summon Peter. And while this is happening, Peter also has a vision of a sheep being laid down with every kind of animal on it, and God tells him to eat up. But being a Jewish male, for Peter, it means breaking kosher laws. Laws that Peter has upheld since he was a child. So initially Peter resists, but but he eventually gives in. And just then, he hears a knock on the door. And it's soldiers sent from Cornelius, calling Peter to come so that he can preach the gospel. So Peter, unsure but being obedient to the Spirit goes with them, keeping in mind the vision that he just had. And this scene takes place as Peter is arriving in Cornelius' house, and he finds a huge gathering. It's what would now be considered a superspreader. But here's our passage out of Acts 10. Peter said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Six years ago, my wife Ashlyn and I went on our very first date. And I remember how unsure I was. uh, Not because of who she was, but unsure about whether or not I was at the right place when I picked her up. I remember parking my black Volkswagen Jetta out front and I walked to the entrance of these eight bungalows that were surrounded by a gate. And I get to the gate and I notice that there's a keypad and so I call Ashley several times and no answer. And so I begin to peek over the gate, you know, waiting for someone to come out, you know, and I'm still unsure about whether or not this is even the right place. And eventually someone comes out, and so I walk in and I look around and I'm like, okay, which one is hers? I remember her mentioning that it was one of the bungalows closest to the gate. So I go to the very first one that I see. And I walk up and I, I knock to the I knock on the door and um, I'm, I'm standing there my palms are sweaty I, 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 I'm unsure about whether or not she'll like my outfit whether or not she'll like you know the place that we go to for dinner and I'm mentally preparing myself to you know see Ashley I, I take a mint. I straighten up my posture and I knock again and I hear footsteps coming to the door and I uh, notice out of, you know, this back room comes this middle-aged man wearing nothing but a muscle shirt and some boxers. And I'm unsure about what kind of living situation this is. What, you know, I'm I'm not sure whether or not this is Ashley's roommate or what. And I, I tell him, hey, I'm looking for Ashley. And he goes, Ashley. And I'm like, yeah, Ashley. And he stares at me doesn't say a word he leans over and he points across the way and he says you're at the wrong house it's that one and man was i relieved to know that i was at the wrong house but just as i was unsure about my approach to ashley's house on this very first day, i imagine peter although he was although he knew what he was supposed to do he was unsure about this whole approach to cornelius's house I imagine he felt unsure because he wasn't sure whether or not Cornelius would show up in a muscle shirt and some boxers. Anyways, Cornelius was a mixed bag. He represented good and bad, and I imagine we can relate to him on some level. But this story tells us that he was a devout man who feared God. He gave to charity and he prayed constantly. And the Judaism of the day gave room for these kinds of people. They were called God-fearers. It included them, but not to the full extent that it would someone who's ethnically Jewish. They were, in some way, second-class citizens. But still, being a God-fearer, Cornelius was a good dude. However, on the other hand, he was a Roman officer. And Luke tells us that he was a centurion, meaning he had worked his way up in rank. He was likely a skilled fighter, maybe a veteran of several battles. He also had authority and was responsible for up to a hundred soldiers. And being a Roman officer meant that he represented the imperial rule of Rome. And Rome was the dominant power of the day. And they occupied the known world through violence and intimidation. So although Cornelius was a good dude, he represented an oppressive power. So when Peter, being ethnically Jewish, comes into Cornelius' house, there are some cultural tensions and ethnic divides, but these come crashing down as privilege is laid aside and the gospel is preached and the spirit is poured out on Cornelius and his entire household. And as this is happening, the Jewish Christians are amazed Because it means that God is accepting Cornelius and all Gentile people, not as second-class citizens, but as equal members of his family. In Jesus, the divide between God and people is no more. The divide between one ethnic group and another is no more. The gospel says something new is here, and all division is undone. See, in Jesus, there is one new humanity, not marked by division, but by the Spirit. And this scene is the culmination of God's plan for the world. It is a moment when all division is ended and those considered furthest from him or irredeemable are made his. This is heaven touching earth. But a problem remains. as we sometimes live as if these divisions are still up. As if the divide between God and humans... Is up as if the divide between ethnic group remains so we need to be reminded of who we are if we want to be people no longer marked by these great divides so who are we last weekend was my birthday and I went to Arizona to visit the Grand Canyon and Sedona and both places were incredible I highly recommend you visit if you haven't had the chance but in Sedona There is a Catholic Chapel called the Chapel of the Holy Cross and every year they receive tons of visitors because its architectural design is incredible and here's a photo of it you can see that it is beautifully built into these red cliffs and inside the chapel is a sculpture of Jesus hanging on the cross with his head down and eyes open looking down toward the altar. And part of this artwork includes a pair of footprints down at the altar in the line of sight of Jesus' sculpture. It is part of the immersive experience that that the artist created for visitors. So when one stands directly over these footprints and looks up, they see Jesus looking directly at them. And as I was sitting at this chapel i saw a line of people waiting to stand over these footprints to have jesus look at them and i was struck by how many people stepped forward and i couldn't help but think how does jesus actually see everyone here what are our perceptions of god when he sees us the underlying concern of it all is whether or not god will accept us whether or not god accepts me this concern is core to who we are it is deep in our in our souls and after adam and eve ate of the forbidden fruit they hid because they were naked but beneath that i think the i think they were concerned about whether or not god would accept them it is a concern that we've wrestled with since the beginning we all know we all want to know if we all want to know whether or not god accepts us The mixed bag that we are with all of our beautiful talents we have and you know the imperfections that we have but also our scars does God accept me does God accept us and to this he says yes I accept you to this he says yes I include you to this he says yes you are mine when Jesus looks at us, he sees accepted. Being Hispanic, our culture is rather is collective rather than individualistic, meaning we tend to be more group-oriented and family is core to our identity, to how we see ourselves. And there are pros and cons to this. Um, but when I first started out in church leadership, I knew that I wasn't cut from the cloth of generational pastors. I didn't come from the most prestigious family, and I had projected this onto God, which made me think, God can't really use me. It made me think, I can't really make it working for a church. It made me think, I won't really be respected. And it made me think, Will I just keep repeating the same mistakes as my parents? But in God, none of this is true. And it shouldn't be true of his church. Because God accepts us not based on our lineage or our credentials or you know the type of family that we come from. Um, he doesn't accept us based on our streaks of good behavior. And all of this is really good news. He accepts us based on what he's already done. At the cross, he took up our brokenness. He took it upon himself and he said, it is finished. There is no more divide between God and us. There is no more work to be done. No more trying to get to God through religious repetition. God obliterated the divide by coming to us. And what we see in Acts 10 is the outworking of that. The spirit being poured out on Cornelius and his household means that we are included. It means that you and I are accepted and we know when we know ourselves to be accepted when we know ourselves to be loved to be included we become more of who we are meant to be we become more aware of how loved we are we become more aware of God's presence and we become more accepting of others with all of the compassion that that entails and real inclusivity The kingdom type of inclusivity is not about allowing everyone to be and do whatever they want, because this just leads to more division and, in some cases, destructiveness. It's about the spirit being poured out on, on any who want it and everyone being included in Jesus. No one has to receive it, but no one is excluded from it. And being included means that all the barriers are torn down. So who are we? You and I are people that he accepts. We are people that he wants to fill with his spirit. So that more and more walls can be torn down. So that more and more wide divides can be obliterated. But this means that we have to give up our way of dividing people. And we all do this. And I think we do this because it gives us a sense of protection. When we divide people apart, our world feels safe and comfortable. And Jesus calls us to a lot of things, but safety and comfort are far from it. As Christians in the West, we are pretty good at maintaining our safety and comfort by covering it in religiosity. When I was a new Christian, I was asked to share my story in in church. I had a pretty normal, you know, experience growing up. I was a skateboarder, and from time to time, I would uh, smoke and drink. Um, but when I became a Christian, I had turned away from all that. Um, so when I was asked to share my story, I invited one of my friends that I had, you know, engaged in this kind of behavior with, to come along and to hear me. And graciously, he agreed, and he came along. And that's when I thought, okay, I got him. And so the service had begun, and soon it was time for me to share. And as I did, I talked about the bad behaviors that I had turned away from. But as I did, I was subtly directing my anger and my blame towards my friend. I had blamed it all on him. And in doing so, I was creating a divide and I was saying I am not like you I'm different than you and it goes without saying you know this strained our relationship and we didn't talk for several years but in my effort to protect my new self to protect the my new environment the new world that I was in I created a divide that said you are different than me you are excluded but what I was really doing was excluding myself from who the spirit wanted wanted me to be and the life of my friend this really hurt my friend and when I look back it's one of those cringing memories that I have and I wish I hadn't done this because not talking to him made me feel pretty lonely at the time but that's what division does When we create dividing lines on any basis imaginable, we exclude ourselves from God's mission. Can you imagine if Peter had said, sorry guys, I can't come along with you. You look different than me. Or if he had said, sorry guys, I can't come along. We have different political views. Imagine what would have been lost. See, our goal in all of this is to follow where the spirit flows. There may be some divides we're meant to cross immediately some that we're meant to wait on other divides that are non-negotiable the gospel itself demands that we that they be torn down but whatever the case may be we want to be people who keep in step with the spirit we don't want to lag too far behind we don't want to run ahead because we don't want to miss what the spirit is doing in the present and what we've learned from Dr. Brenda Salter-McNeil is that God calls each of us to a specific task and our energy is best used when we're doing what the Spirit is calling us to do. So it's important for each of us to ask what divides am I building up and which ones am I called to tear down? I know this could feel intimidating and overwhelming I know it can make us feel small in light of how grand the problem may be and this is why we need the spirit because we're not meant to do this in our own ability and again following the spirit may not feel comfortable or safe but I know that it is the best place to be from Peter's perspective I imagine three things that he felt following the Spirit, that we may also feel in our lives. I imagine the first thing he felt was how backwards this is. Peter was asked to break kosher laws. These are laws that he had abided by since his youth, since a child. And I imagine this didn't make any sense to him. How backwards it was that, that, that suddenly you know, he's, asked to be to, he's asked to do something completely different. That runs against what he's been conditioned to believe. And so following the spirit may often feel backwards. Another thing I imagine Peter felt was how unfamiliar this was. Peter was asked to walk with, the, with his oppressors. He was asked to go along with the men that were sent for him. Now, remember, these were Romans. These were the enemy of his people. And he wasn't sure where exactly Cornelius lived. He felt unsure about the whole thing. And following the Spirit at times will feel unfamiliar. Like we're not sure where we're going. Like we're unsure about the people that we're with. And the last thing I imagine Peter felt was how vulnerable this all was. As Peter enters the home of Cornelius, he is going into the house of somebody who has been known to, somebody whose rule and presence is um, intimidating. Um, Somebody who is in power. Somebody who whose reputation would have marred Peter's. And I know that following the Spirit may lead us to feel vulnerable, like we're not in control. And so if we want to see heaven on earth, if we want to see God's kingdom come, this happens only when we follow the Spirit. It is how we live heavenly lives on earth, by following the Spirit. And so let us not be afraid of following the Spirit. Let us not be afraid of where the Spirit leads us, not because it isn't scary, but because He's with us. He's with you. He's with me. Whether we go here or there, His promise is that He will be with us through it all. And so let us be people that are courageous enough to say yes to the Spirit, Let us be people who are courageous enough to go where the spirit leads. Let's pray. God, we thank you that every divide has been obliterated, that the divide between you and us is gone, that the divide between us and others is no more, that all exclusivity is destroyed. And God, would you forgive us for the times that we've been divisive? Would you forgive us for the moments that we've been uh, exclusive? We're sorry for how we've forgotten that every wall has been torn down. And would you help us to be people who know we are loved, who know are accepted, who know um, that we're called to tear down divisions, God, we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your spirit pour out in our lives, in the lives of our loved ones, in our neighborhoods. And God, we are aware of how scary this can be. We are aware of how immense this can feel. And so Lord, would you remind us of your presence? Would you remind us that you're with us, that we are not alone, that we're not doing this in our own power, and our own ability? But that you're the one working. And so Lord, right now, we set our eyes on you. Help us to become more aware that you're here, that you're with us. And help us to do everything that we can to see your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys. Well, thanks for hopping on. Um, we will see you next week at our Easter service. And again, All of those details can be found online. We're going to uh, listen to a worship song. And if you wouldn't, if you would like, I encourage you to just hop on, um, join in, and invite the Spirit to remind you of how loved you are, how accepted you are. And in that place, ask God, what divides am I called to tear down? And it's also worth asking to have him remind you of how close he is to you because he's closer than we think. And so with that, be blessed, and we'll see you next week. Bye.
0: Who makes the sun to rise and bring the earth new life in every beam? Jesus, it is you. turns the day to night and watches me as I begin to dream, Jesus, it is you. Who brings me food for my table? Who cares for all of my needs? walks the road with me, has grown with me through all that I have been, Jesus it is you, Jesus it is you. So I lift my hands, and I and carries me when I am frail and weak Jesus it is you who tells the storm to rest when I am overwhelmed and cannot speak Jesus it is you who my guilt on his shoulders? Who holds my heart in his hands? Who takes my thoughts and fears and hangs them on the arms of Calvary? Jesus, it is you. Jesus, it is you.